0: Well, good morning everyone. I'm Ron Thompson. I'm one of the pastors here at Twin Cities Church and we are really glad that you're joining us on our online gathering today. I counted up and this is number 10 of the services we brought to you online. I can't wait for the day we get to be back on site, but uh, that's not this week and we don't know exactly when that's going to be. Stay tuned. We'll let you know if anything happens that might get us back on site earlier than we can imagine. So wherever we are today, we want to welcome you. I want to welcome Ed Perez. I was just told that you're watching, an old family friend of our church, and so we're just so glad that you joined us. And make sure wherever you are, let us know you're watching. We'd love to be able to connect with you, talk with you, and then pray with you if you have some prayers as we go through our time together today. And I just really loved Michael singing that song for us. When he did his devotional a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to that song, and I thought, well, that's perfect for our series. We need to do that together. And so Dave and the team were able to pull it together and sing it for us today, and I hope you enjoyed that as well. So I just want to talk to you about what we hope is happening in your life, Well. We want to have happen is this. We have one desire for the season that we're in. We want everyone, every one of us, to come out of this season stronger than we were before it began. I don't know about you, but I'm even having a hard time remembering what, when it began. All the days are muddling together. But I want to be stronger, and I want you to be stronger when we finish this season. Wouldn't it be great if we came out of all this craziness by being stronger in our faith? Stronger in our trust and confidence in God, stronger in our relationships, even though we're not together. Well, that's what this series is all about. It's a call to get to know God better because we're only as strong as we are intimate with Him. We have to know Him better and better if we're going to be strong and be able to withstand the storms that come against us in life. And so, this series is designed to help us to know God better, to go deeper with him, to understand more fully who he is. And we're choosing to do that by looking at the names he gave us himself throughout the Bible, specifically the Old Testament. Our theme verse is Psalm 9, verse 10, that says this, Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you, those who know your name, trust in you. And that's our desire, that each one of us would come to a place where we know God better and we trust him more and we have confidence in him. That's why we're digging into his names. As we know his name, we grow in trust and confidence in him. Today, we're going to look at a name that gives us hope no matter what circumstances we find ourselves facing Megan read this verse to us earlier from Psalm 52. It says this, "This is I will hope, the psalmist is crying out and saying, I will hope in your name for your name is good. I will have hope because you are a good God and your name is good. You know, hope, it's one of the key ingredients to overcoming the struggles that we all face in life. And folks, today, we wanna talk about the name that God gave himself that when we understand it, That when we understand it, can give us hope when we feel discouraged, when we feel lost, when we feel pain, when we feel suffering, or we feel confusion. Today, we're looking at a name of God. It's only used one time in the Bible. Only one time. It's Jehovah Shema. Jehovah is a way, if you'll remember from a few weeks ago, of saying Yahweh. And we learned that Yahweh is the self-existent, self-sufficient eternal God of the universe and today what we're going to learn is he's also ever present in our lives. Shema means there. It's talking about both time and place. So Jehovah Shema means this. it means Yahweh is there. Yahweh is there or Yahweh is always there. if you want to say it that way, it's just as right. So go ahead if you would open your Bibles up to Ezekiel chapter 48. Some of you are going Ezekiel, what? Ezekiel 48 and so I want to help you get there just go to Psalms and hang a right and you'll run into it because it's got 48 chapters and here's what I'm going to do I'm going to cover 48 chapters of Ezekiel today. I know, you're either laughing or crying right now, thinking that I'm going to cover that much and you only have one cup of coffee left. But I, honestly, it's going to go fast, it's going to go quickly, it's going to be a flyover, but we need to understand the entire book if we're going to understand the name that God gave that we're looking at today. So I'm going to give you some context. Ezekiel was a prophet of God in one of the darkest times in the history of the nation of Israel. He was God's spokesman. During a time when God allowed the people to be overrun by the Babylonians. And then they were taken into capti- captivity. They lost their homes. They lost everything that they had. In every single way, the sun seemed to have sat on the glory years as they were in captivity. And they were living under the tyrannical reign of the Babylonian empire. And it's to those people that God says this word of hope. This word of hope who he will be for them and for every person who ever feels hopeless and abandoned in any way. So Ezekiel writes about a series of visions. God gives him concerning the judgment and that he's going to allow for his people to experience unless they repent and turn back to him. So he's writing about visions, about judgment that's going to come unless they repent and turn back to him. God's people had gotten so off track from worshiping the one true God that they had. Now listen to this. Listen to what they had done. They had gone so far as to allow idols, idols of other gods into the temple of the one and living God. They were worshiping other idols at the same time. They were worshiping Yahweh, God. And God had been calling his people who had turned away from him. He'd been calling out to them through the prophets. And yet his people continued to refuse to listen. In Ezekiel's visions, what they're going to show us, they show us a progression of God's removal of his spirit from their midst. Ezekiel 4-10, through he declares that their captivity is the result of their sin of idolatry. To their abandonment of him and his will. And their assimilation of pagan gods into their worship and into their culture. They had lost their reverence for God. They had lost their heartfelt devotion to God. Then in chapter 11, Ezekiel describes a vision. This is crazy. It's a vision where God's spirit lifted and departed from the temple to a place east of the city of Jerusalem. Over what now is called the Mount of Olives. So God's spirit had lifted from his house, from the temple, where people were going to worship him and experience him. Well, they, these people, they had chosen idol worship over God worship. And because of sin, God had chosen to leave their presence. And the sad thing is, get this, they didn't even know it. They didn't even realize God's glory leaves. And the next day, they go on with life as normal. They go to work. They raise families. They go shopping. They even had worship services. And they never knew that God had left the building because they weren't honoring God in their worship. Finally, in 586 B.C., Jerusalem fell and its walls were demolished. The temple was destroyed. The city was overrun. All of this because the people had refused to listen to God. They had lost their sensitivity to his voice. They believed they could keep you know, thumbing their noses toward God and that God would look the other way. In chapters 12 through 32, it's a big chunk, Ezekiel describes God's judgment upon Israel because they had turned away from him. Judgment is coming. And he will depart from being with them as he always had been. And then in Ezekiel 33, which we're going to come back to and look at a little bit as we end our time together, God speaks to Ezekiel about a way his people could return to him. And it's through a word that we call repentance. Repentance means turning away from where I'm headed. And they were headed away from God and turning toward God. And moving back into relationship with him. He calls them to repent of their evil ways and turn to him. Then surprisingly after all of this. All of this that's gone on. Surprisingly in chapter 36. Which we're going to look at today. God describes his heart towards his people. Ezekiel describes a day. When God will establish a new covenant with his people. He describes a day when God will deliver and God will restore his people a day when God is going to make all things new. Folks, this is an amazing turn of events. God's grace, it always surprises us, and it seems to come at us when we least expect it. Then in chapter 37, Ezekiel's given a vision, a vision of God making dry, dead bones alive as a picture of his limitless ability to resurrect and restore his people. And finally now, in chapters 40 through 48, God in his mercy and grace begins to describe this new thing that he's going to do for his people who who had had their temple destroyed and were living in exile in a foreign land. In chapter 48, God says, people, Jerusalem will be rebuilt better than you can imagine. And not just Jerusalem here on earth, but Jerusalem will cover the entire earth and not just earth, but I'm going to bring heaven down to earth. God gives Ezekiel a vision into the future about what he's going to accomplish. And the good news is this, God will be there. God will restore his presence with his people and his glory to Jerusalem because his name is forever linked to that city. God will once again dwell with his people. Now we'll get to the verse that says this name, Yahweh Shema. Ezekiel 48, 35. And the name of the city from that time on will be the Lord is there. Yahweh is there. Yahweh is always with us. So when God revealed himself as Jehovah Shema, he revealed himself as their source, their source of hope, their source of all things, And he also wanted them to understand this, that we would also want to know ourselves. There's no place where you can go that God is not. There's no place that you can go where God is not. And so this verse is not just a promise for Israel, but it's a promise for all of humanity. You can take comfort in knowing this, that God was there in your past. You can take comfort in knowing that God is right there with you in your living room, in your car, as you're listening to this, as you're looking on your device. Right now, God is there with you. And you can take great comfort in this, that God will be with you in the future. Anywhere you go, wherever you are, God is there. God is with you in the good places He's with you in the bad places. He's with you in the wonderful, exhilarating places, in the joyful times, in the woeful times. God is always there for you. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about three benefits that we can experience in our lives from this name of God, Jehovah Shema, that God is always there, based upon the promises that he gave them and us in the new covenant that are listed in Ezekiel 36. I want to read this and then what I want to do is I'm going to take it apart and we're going to look at the promises and what they mean to us. God says to his people, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart And put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. There's a lot packed in there, but the last part is this He says, You will be my people. And I will be your God. Jehovah Shema will always be there for you. But he makes three specific promises in this covenant that I want to walk through really quickly. So that we can get them and get our minds wrapped around them. And then we're going to have some application as we wrap this up. First, because God is present, we can have a new purity. He promises us a new purity. Because God has said he will be with us, we can be made whole. We can be made clean. We can be renewed. This is what he says. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. See, what God is saying right here is he's saying to them, people, you need to know right now, you're unclean. You've sinned against me and there is nothing that you can do on your own to remedy that sin, to cleanse yourself, to get rid of the guilt that you have because of the way that you've treated and respond to me. And God says, as part of my new covenant that I'm going to make with my people, I'm going to give you a purity, a new purity, that you could never have attained on your own. It won't be based on what you do. Instead, it's going to be based upon what I am going to do for you. Second promise is this. Because God is present, we can have a new power. God has promised in his name and in this covenant, he's promised to be present with us. And because of that, we can have a new power. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking about power and how much I need some right now because the days go on, they run into one another, the routines are out of whack and out of focus and loss of energy, loss of momentum causes me to want to sit on the couch. Causes me not to want to do even the things that are before me I know need done. Things I did before, but right now I'm struggling to do those. And I need some extra power. Well, God promises that. He promised he will give us new power. Look at what he says in verse 26. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And here's what he's saying to us. If we can get so discouraged in our progress in the Christian faith or our progress in becoming like Jesus in the process of being formed into being like him, we can get discouraged because we are people and we're going to have our ups and we're going to have our downs and we're going to have more downs and then we have an up and a down. And we get tired along the way, wondering if transformation is ever going to happen. Is that you? I know that I struggle with this on a regular basis, feeling stuck, feeling sometimes that God's disappointed in me because I've not made more progress, feeling weak. And then I remember a promise that God's given us. It's a promise that the angel gave to, the, to Gideon. We're going to look at his story in a couple of weeks. He said to Gideon, he says, go in the strength that you have. What strength is that? What's the strength that Gideon could muster? No, it was a strength that God was going to give him. And what he's saying here is in the process of transformation, when you're going to take that heart that's been turned toward idols, that's been hardened to the God of the universe, the God who loves you, that he's going to put a new heart in you. He's going to put a new spirit in you. And he's going to do the work to transform you from the inside out as you walk in intimacy with him. Okay, third promise is this. Because God is present, we can have a new purpose. We can have a new purpose. See, God has promised to be present with us. And because he's present with us, he's given us a purpose that he wants us to fulfill. And for most of us, this is going to be a new purpose. This is going to be different than anything we'd ever imagined that we would do in our lives. God is going to do a new thing. It's going to be for his glory and for the good of his people. Oftentimes we think a purpose would be something like, well, just give me something to do so that my life can be better, so I can be more fulfilled, so I can discover self-actualization. But instead, what God says is, my purpose is for me. And when you follow my purpose for me, that's when you will be the most fulfilled. Look what he says in verses 27 and 28. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I love these verses and what they mean to us. See, God is going to give us the permanent and indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit into our lives. At the moment we say yes to him, at the moment we receive into our lives... The gift that Jesus Christ gave us when he died for us on the cross, the Bible says that we now have his spirit in us. God says, I'm going to place my spirit in you and my spirit will reside with you. My spirit will show you how I want you to live and my spirit. Not only is going to produce the work of making you more like Jesus, but my spirit will shine out from you and people will see me because of the way you live your life. So God supplies us with a new purity so that there's nothing that blocks relationship with him. Do you know impurity is what blocks relationship with God when we allow sin into our lives? But when we turn to him and he removes the sin or removes the guilt... There's no barrier between us and God. See, folks, God doesn't move away. We move away from God. And he's given us this new purity so we can come back into relationship with him. Next, God supplies us with this new power so that our hearts are going to be transformed and we will follow him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. Nothing held Back, as we sang just a few moments ago, we said about stand in your love. We said this, that we have a power that can break off every chain. We have a power that can empty out the grave. That's the power that he's made available to us. Break off every chain so that nothing has to hold you back in your progress of becoming more like Jesus Christ. He is our true higher power, making cold stones into cold stone hearts into warm, soft hearts. And then he supplies us with this new purpose. I want to talk about this just for a minute. I want to talk about what that new purpose is. First, our new purpose is to follow his way and be obedient to his commands. Follow his way and be obedient to his commands. I think it would be good for us if we could adopt a phrase that I've seen recently. I don't know about you, but I love the Mandalorian. I loved. I've loved this series. It took a couple of bes- episodes for me to finally get to it. But it's in episode three that a phrase starts being used and it's used throughout the rest of the series. And the phrase is this, the Mandalorians are a people. And as they do something that represents something that's in their character, something that's in their order, something that's in the way that their uh, society, in the fabric of their society, they say this, this is the way. It's a code word. This is the way. And what they're saying is, we're living by the guidelines of our community and we won't violate them. And this is the way. Well, see folks, that's what God's called us to do. He's called us to live by his guidelines. Do you know there's a way? We call it the 10 commandments. It's the way that God wants us to live. He wants each of us to live out the commands that are given by him, that are for our best, for our benefit, so that we can live for him. You know, there's another place in the New Testament that lists a a series of character traits. They're not commands, but they're who you will be when you're in Jesus. We call them the fruits of the Spirit. And I would say that when we live out the fruits of the Spirit, that we could say, this is the way. I'm going to live with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and so on. This is the way. And that's what God wants us to do. So that even in times of great difficulty like we're in right now, we bring glory to him by our actions and our responses to the things around us. He wants us to live in such a way that we put his glory on display and he wants his glory on display so that people can see him. That is our new purpose as a people, to spread the glory of the Lord, to be the salt and the light in our world so that people know that there is a better way and we are following it. We believe this is the way. Now, God's glory resides in us. So what is God doing in the world today? Well, rather than limit his presence to one nation or one city, God himself now is present in all people, all followers of Jesus through the presence of the Holy Spirit. You may know your Bible and know that God has made a promise throughout the Old Testament that he would send a Messiah A Messiah who would come one day and establish the new covenant that God is promising Ezekiel and the people of God all the way back in the Old Testament that he would send this Messiah to establish his covenant and that Messiah was Jesus Christ. He came to establish a covenant that God would be with us and that he would never leave us and he would never forsake us, that we would have his presence around us, with us each day of our lives and each day of our future. God wrapped his glory in a body. That's what John says in John chapter one. He says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace And truth, God took his glory, the glory that he said that Moses couldn't even look on, the glory that was over the the tabernacle as the children of Israel went into the wilderness, that was fire, fire, and it was cloud, and it was glory. You couldn't even look upon it. It was so great. And he wrapped it in the form of a baby, and that baby grew up to be Jesus. God put his glory in Jesus. And here's what people said when they saw Jesus. They said, we have seen God. We have seen God. And when Jesus died then, and then when he ascended and went to heaven, God then chose a radical approach. This is what he did. He put his glory in the followers of Jesus. This is amazing. He put his glory in the followers of Jesus. And now it's our purpose and our responsibility to live lives that bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. I just want to read a couple of verses that talk about this whole process. 2 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? Remember the glory of God resided in the temple? That we are now God's temple. The glory of God now resides in us. And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. See, God's glory no longer dwells in a building No, not at all. God's glory dwells in you. God's glory dwells in me. God dwells in a temple, all right? It's a temple named Ron Thompson. That's where God's glory dwells. We are God's temple, and God lives through us in his Holy Spirit. He has taken up residence in our lives. That's what 2 Corinthians 6 says. It says, we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. I'm going to read some more verses from Ezekiel just to see the promise that God has given us, beginning in verse thirty-seven, chapter 37, verse 26. I will make a covenant of peace with them. Remember, there's, they're at odds because they've turned away from God. God has not turned away from them. They've turned away from God. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them forever. What he's saying is that there will be a day when my glory will no longer dwell in a physical place. I will dwell with my people And that what he wants for his people is this, those in whom he dwells, he wants this, that wherever we go, wherever we are, that people would be astounded because of God's glory shining through us. God is saying that's always been his desire. If you look back, that that was God's desire for his people, that they would be a light to the Gentiles. It would always be that his people would live in such a way. It's why he was so jealous for the fact that they would live according to his ways because he knew that was the only way that they were going to be able to live in a manner that other people would be able to see him, that, they would be, that then he would be seen in the visible example of their lives in the way that they lived in their day. See, people will learn about God based upon their observations about the way we are living, the way we are living. That's a weighty responsibility, folks. It's a weighty responsibility. I love a book by Jim Symbala. It's called The Church God Blesses. And I want to read a quote to you from that book. He says this, Even though individual lives are being changed by the power of the gospel, God's special concern is always focused on local churches that spread his gospel and disciple new Christians. He goes on to say some other things about this, and he comes back and says, He is chosen to work here on earth through his church. His church, his people are here to share his glory with the world. And God's purpose for us is that through us, the way we live, that, the, that people would come to see God's glory, receive his grace, and walk in relationship with him. He's chosen to do his work on earth through the church. People will know Jehovah Shema by the way we, in the local church, put his glory on display. God's here. God's with you right there. God's with you as you walk through your day. Everywhere you go, you are taking God. Everywhere you go, you are taking Jesus Christ into your world, and you're putting his glory on display. He's given us his glory. He's placed it inside of us so that we can share it with others. So the Bible says, whatever you do, whatever you do, wherever you go, whether it's work or whether it's play, Shopping, going out to care for others, to serve your community, whatever you do, it says, do it all for the glory of God. So to know Jehovah Shema is to know that he's here with us, that he's among his people. Today, as Christ's followers, we are his people, and he is taking up residence in our lives. And he wants us to enjoy fellowship, unhindered intimacy with him, with a new purity and a new power, and a new purpose, all for the glory of God. Well, I'm going to wrap up today a little differently than we might. you might even be thinking I am. I think it's really important that we be right with God. Because when we're right with Him, we can know intimacy with Him. When we're not right with Him, we block intimacy with God. God doesn't move away from us, but we can move away from Him. And I want to share with you a verse. It's not going to be on the screen, but you can just listen to me as I read it from (coughs) Ezekiel 33. It says, As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn. Here's the key. That they turn from their ways and live. Turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you choose to die? Why will you choose to be out of fellowship? Why will you choose to be out of relationship? Why will you choose to be out of intimacy? Why will you choose to live without purity? Why will you choose to live without power? Why will you choose to live without purpose? All these things you could ask, why to. God just says, why would you make that choice? You don't have to. You don't have to. What I want you to do instead is I want you to turn to me. That's what repentance is. Repentance is turning from the choices I've been making and turning. God, turning to Him, turning to Him in relationships. So if we want to fully enjoy God's presence, we must turn away from anything that pulls us away from Him. One of the things I've learned to be true, so true, is that you can't live in the land of sin and expect to have a robust experience with God. The Bible teaches from cover to cover that sin always interrupts fellowship with God. So what I want to do right now is I'm going to give us a chance to pray. Before we do, I want to read this verse to you from Haggai 2 that talks about what can be available to us right now in this moment. It says, be strong. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. Would you bow your head I know this may be awkward because you may have other people in your living room or you may have other people in your car. You can pray this as silently as you can. Maybe it's gonna even result in some sobbing and tears. I'm sorry if that makes you feel uncomfortable. I just believe it's a moment for cleansing and you don't wanna pass this up. If you don't pray with me now, this prayer, I'm gonna ask that you would pray it later today. You would find an opportunity where you can be alone, where you can come before God And you can pray a prayer of repentance. So Jesus, we thank you so much that you're with us, every one of us. God, that you are there. God, that you are waiting. God, that you are standing with arms open wide, waiting for people to turn to you, waiting for people to turn away from. This would be a moment for confession. Away from what sin? What is it that you're allowing into your life that you know is breaking your intimacy with God, folks, God cannot, will not overlook your sin. He will not. What is it in your life that you're allowing to be there? Even now, when you came into this worship experience with us, you had another idol in your heart. You were like his people. You had something else that you were looking to for your fulfillment, for your satisfaction, for your joy for your peace, for the love that you want in life. Would you be willing right now to say to God, God, I've had an idol in my life and here it is. Would you be honest with him? Would you be willing to say, God, I want to repent today. I'm going to turn to you. Just know, folks, he's not angry right now. He's looking at you with love. He's looking at you with an invitation in his eyes and on his face. A gentle God. He wants to receive you as a compassionate God. He wants to give you his love. He wants right now to reestablish your purity. He wants to clear off the fog that's been in your life and he wants to give you power. He wants to reinstate your purpose so that when you live your life, you're living your life. And people are seeing him through the way you live. Jesus, thank you so much that you made it possible that the new covenant was established when you came to live and die on a cross for us that you paid the price that we couldn't pay for the guilt that we have. And I pray now that we would each receive that today. We would ask you, Jesus, to come into our hearts and lives we would receive your forgiveness you made possible on the cross and that each one of us would say to you today i want your purity i want your power and i want to live your purpose show me the way jesus show me the way i want to live in the way and i want to represent you and your glory in a way that people in my world don't see me but they see you And they're drawn to want to know you more fully. Jesus, I pray that. I pray that. I ask that, Jesus, for me and for your church, that we would be that kind of person before you. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there with us always. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.